hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you okay, hear me? Great. Yeah, I can. I don't know. There's something about like, I have to find the right mic to use with my laptop. It's crazy. I have no idea what's happening. It's, we're, you know, I don't know, living in the future or the dark ages. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure. And I wonder, like, sometimes I wonder if people during the bubonic plague, like, now I know how they feel. I mean, not really because we have toilets and shampoo. And the internet. Like, and the internet. But, you know, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> wondering, like, are we ever going to get back to normal? Yeah. Are we ever? Is, is, I, I honestly, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, but, you know, things like this make you go, oh, normal was fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. Like, literally, like 10 minutes ago, Aspen and I were talking, watching prom night, by the way. I um, love prom night. <laughs> I uh, am amazed at how, even though the actors are in their 20s, they all look 47 years old. <laughs> they do, but they, they managed to work in a disco number. Yeah, so good. Um, so good. But we were just randomly talking. I think she, had, she was talking about being done with makeup, you know, just, and we just yeah. started, started talking about how this is exposed to how much of our society is just a fucking fraud. Like, it's all so much it of it really- is. really bullshit yeah. yeah I mean I'm kind of done with makeup and I'm also like I've said it to your wife before but it's like I am never wearing an underwire bra she said the same thing ever again unless yeah. I have to when theater comes back but theater may not come back so right fuck that shit yeah and she said she said the same thing it's it's like and when you start to think about it and we sit here and now look at that. You've got your Smurf cup. Um, we think about it and we go like, wow, those Victorian and other women wearing corsets, they were idiots. Why did they do that? While right. we sit in our like $70, $80 underwire yeah. torture devices. Like some bizarre modern version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because somebody decided that the way a woman's breasts naturally hang is not good enough. Right. And, and God forbid you would ever age and your body would change. Right. <laughs> like we can't have that. We can't have that. People have to want to be young all the time. All the time. Then what will we sell them? Right. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah. Right. Been, we're back. We're back. And I, you know, we took a few weeks off. I think it was warranted. I think so. I mean, it's like, it was really great to have those episodes that we did and, mm-hmm. and they were needed um, for my sanity, for your sanity, yeah. uh, from some fans who have reached out that, w- yeah. that were grateful that we were still recording. But I, there were like a few weeks there where we were, I think we mutually silently just decided there's some more important things happening yeah. in the world right in now. World. And there still are, of course, but also mm-hmm. it felt like, I don't know. I, it was, it was time to come back. It was time. It was okay. And yeah. Uh, and like, uh, just from a personal note, like the, I don't know, living down here for those of you who are not in Texas, although we're national news, so I'm sure everyone knows just like seeing how things have gone backwards. We're laughing stocks. We're laughing stock. And I had started to get, um, I don't know, man, super depressed. Like yeah. the, the, like not, literally the, like none of this, there's no point to anything stage. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you, I I don't, since we hang out so much now, it's like we kind of go through the same, because yeah, I mean, it was just yesterday, 
during the day where I was like, man, the, the, the world just sucks and it's yeah. always sucked. And people aren't going to change. Like there will be people that you can, you know, turn or whatever, but there are other people that are always going to be shit eating racists. Yeah. Like, always. No matter, no they want what. to be. Yeah. Like they want to be that. That's and, who they are. And they will like double down on it. Right. Now, you know? And there seems to be more than I thought, which is I'm, really ignorant. But yeah, me too. And, but then I started thinking, I was like, well, then theater's not coming back. Like our job's not coming back. So <laughs> I, I'm ready to just call it a day. Yeah. Like I don't want to live in this fucking shitty world. <laughs> if I can't at least do the thing that yeah. fools me into thinking that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I was in the same, have been in the same place and like, was even, was like, I'll start writing again. And I would write for like a day and then the next day I'd be like, what's the fucking point of this? And all that, all that to say, oddly, I was like, man, I need to do terror and tacos. I got to pull myself yeah. out of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's as the French say, it's l'appel du vide, the yeah. call of the void. Yes. Where it's not, it's not, and we're not making light of suicide and that's not what we're doing. No, it's a very serious issue. But the lapel du vide is something a little different. It's not, it's not like a suicide thing. It's really like a contemplation of what if I just weren't here? Yeah. What like, if I did not exist? What if I didn't exist? Yeah. That would um, be better. Right. And, and, and I'm sure that'll come, continue to come and go. But I did, I, I was like, I, I at least have to find some things that, that bring me some joy right. and and you know and that's i think probably different things for different people mm-hmm. um, but, but uh, this is one of those things this is one of those things for everyone for yeah. everyone for everyone <laughs> you know what is another thing that brings us joy what fried chicken absolutely fried chicken man man yes. Yes. we had so we didn't have tacos again right um but, but we we had fried chicken, our second favorite. Yes, and um, it was delicious from a place called Bubba's, which is kind of connected with another place called Babe's. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's just delicious fried chicken, y'all. It just it is, is like arguably the best fried chicken in Dallas. Maybe I don't know. I'm sure I, there's other places that sure, are but it, just it, as good. It's but up it's, there. It's pretty good. Also, their mashed potato has crack in it. Oh man. And so, uh, yeah, their corn also, I didn't have corn this time, but, um, their corn also has, has some form of cocaine in it. It's, uh, right. It's delicious. It's, it's, it's delicious. So that's what we had. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have probably gone to babes. Yeah. Uh, if did. you live in Dallas, but if you have never been to babes or Bubba's, um, you, you should, you should go. Although I did, I did hear some bad news. I read it. It's not news. It's just a tweet. But oh, someone tweeted about the one in Carrollton, the one in Carrollton uh, not being very safe. Yeah, just but, uh, uh, but we I'll, don't know. We don't know that. Also, we We're, don't go to Carrollton. We don't go to Carrollton. Like, what, the fuck what the is fuck? that? I wouldn't. Why would I do that? Did you know that there is a wall, Michael, on six thirty-five <laughs> that divides the two cities? I've heard. So that, like, I don't understand why. 
north of 35 has to wear masks. Oh my God. Just because south of, I mean, 635 right. is wearing masks. We I, never intermingle. Yeah, the suburbs don't breathe the same air right. as Dallas. What the fuck? And for me, Michael, that's kind of th- true. Like we that's, don't go to the we don't go to the suburbs. Insane. But there's lots of people in Dallas that Who work do? in the suburbs. And I would. I, well, I'm not saying I would, but I mean it's where I grew up, so I try to stay away at all right. costs at this point. Too many memories. Too oh, many you memories. know what else? I have to show you another thing that brings me joy. So uh, this was a present from uh, Dante and his girlfriend Laura. <laughs> And it is a screener copy of oh the my third God. season of Twin Peaks. It's like all the entire season. That's uh, in awesome. this amazing booklet with pictures of Dale, man, and, like other other information. And I guess this is this the copy they give to the Emmy view to the Emmy. Yeah, yeah it voters. says Twin Peaks for your Emmy consideration. That's really Ice possession. Cool. Isn't that yeah, cool? That's awesome. Um, also, that show should have won all the Emmys. Anyway. All the Emmys. Um, all the Emmys. Uh, uh, I th- like the people at, at um, was it Con or was it the one in Colorado where David Lynch just got a seven minute ovation? Was, yeah, Con. For no, for no reason. The French like, understand him, man. Someone said his name and everybody just started like, standing oh, yeah. up. Seven, seven <laughs> minutes. Seven. Which which is not longer, actually, than the nuclear explosion in episode eight. In episode eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still, still not longer. Man, it's so... I was just talking about Twin Peaks. Uh, so I have a f- friend who's watching it for the first time, and she has managed to avoid somehow all, all spoilers. Wow. And I got a message from her late the other night and she is a mom of I think fairly little little kids uh-huh. and uh she had just seen the episode where the truck hits the little boy and Harry Dean Stanton has one of the best acting moments ever and she was like I know I told you not to give me spoilers but are there any more horrific death scenes with children in them <laughs> and I was like no, that's the only one. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. Yeah, but really, he does. I mean, that is one of the greatest performances on film yeah. ever. It's fucking yeah. incredible. And she was like, I hate to be a stereotypical mom, but that was really hard. I was like, I am not a mom. And I think we had to take a break after that scene. Yeah. Like, I yeah. Like, I mean, well, we, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. No. I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, and then it did, and we actually did. We were like, okay, hold on. Yeah. I have to go get some sugar yeah, to, to get for the shock. Um, Lynch doesn't give a shit, man. <laughs> no, he doesn't give a fuck. That's why we love him. Yes. That's um, why we love him. So we have kind of a fun episode. I- idea? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We don't know. We had, because even, even as The Void was calling, you know, we both continued to watch horror movies. Right, and you went down like a, a, a. You have to talk about going down the whole like yeah, house. So I went down. I was like just committed. My, I don't know why, but I committed myself for like it was like eight, seven or eight days in a row that I was just gonna watch haunted or possessed house movies because um, I love the genre and the yeah. in a while and. Um, I started texting you because if you and I watched like both Insidiouses and three paranormal activity movies and the changeling and conjuring and a bunch of different stuff. And it was funny to watch the same genre 
back to back to back. And I just kept finding myself yelling the same shit at the screen like every night. And so we started to talk about (laughs) what are the questions or like things you just find yourself yelling at characters in horror movies. Right. Right. Um, Well, and like, I think one of, one of our favorites, of course, is from My Bloody Valentine, where it's like, don't, no, don't have a party in the mind, Paula. Don't have God a party. damn it, Paula. Why are you having a party in the mind? Why are you having a party in the mind? But the other one is from the classic movie, The Changeling with George C. Mm-hmm. Scott. That's the other one where you, you and I are always like. Yeah. Why do you need a giant Victorian house when you live alone? <laughs> yeah. You're one guy. You're, you're like, why guy. do you need to rent? I mean, like mansion, like not even mansion, like castle. Almost. I think at one point she's like, there's 37 rooms or something. I was like, I've, I don't think I've ever been in a house. I have like nine rooms. And I'm like, this is too many rooms. Like, why do we have yeah. too many rooms? Yeah. And, and George C. Scott's like, not enough rooms. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I know we've talked about it before. If you have not seen The Changeling, Dude, you're missing out. I don't yeah, even know really, who the fuck you are. Yeah, you're really missing out. And it's it's a 1980 movie. Came out in 80, but it's very much a 70s film. George C. Scott. Also, my other favorite 70s thing. He's a millionaire composer, Christy. Right. <laughs> he is. They can just do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. The 70s have like millionaire composers, millionaire yeah. photo- fashion Ta- photographers. Fashion photographers. Yeah. Million, like all kinds of millionaires where you just, he's a millionaire. Yeah. He wrote, millionaire, millionaire scientist. Yeah. He's, he's a, he wrote a classical piano piece and he's now can do a millionaire. He wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so we opened up this topic or idea to, to the listeners um, of like things that you find yourself yelling questions you always ask. And we had a really, we had really great responses. Oh, really? I want to hear some of the questions. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but okay. So we talk about, let, let's try an answer. I don't know. Yeah. Let's just provide an answer. So our first question is like, why do you need to live in a giant Victorian mansion all by yourself? Right. I, so and I can actually I, start thinking about it like rationally and it could be giant. It's usually giant Victorian, but it's like some bizarrely large home. Right. And I, I wonder, is that like something inherent in, I was thinking of two different things. One, the idea of we can, es- we can escape, you know, like if I can, I can get away from anything that bothers me metaphorical or real. Um, Uh by sequestering myself in this giant place, I never really even need to leave. And I was like, is that, is it about that? Like isolating yourself? Or was I like, it's about the typical sort of thing that's ingrained in American culture. And it's like, well, of course, if you can get the biggest fucking house, you get the biggest house. Well, oh, and maybe that's what it is. Because I was about to say, and don't come at us with, that's just how it works because it's a horror movie because tropes in horror movies have their root in something that's cultural cultural yeah they don't they they can't be arbitrary and work these tropes work because they get at something that is is a deeper level in us in us yeah so maybe it is 
I mean, and, and lots of cultures have it. Like Spain does a good horror, big horror, whatever house. Um, there's some good ones coming out of Sweden and those Danish countries. Yes. Um, but like, it seems to be this idea of like, nothing can touch me. I yes. can afford, this is the ideal. Yeah. And if, and I, yeah. if I can afford this or I can go to this kind of place, nothing can get me. Nothing can get me because I have enough money. Or yeah. what, I'm, I'm comfortable. I've reached a point in my life where I am, I have enough that I can afford this much mm-hmm. just for me. And maybe that's horrible to some Americans to think that even in the realization of like this fake American dream. Right. And that but something I, can get at them. I do like that as, as an idea. And because normally if in a horror movie that gets completely undercut, right? Right. Just because you can afford the giant victory. Like you're fucking walking into danger, really. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You think exactly. You're escaping anything any problems, but you're actually you're walking head first into it. You're walking head first into it. But you know, it's interesting that this comes up because like the premise of the conjuring, and I know we already talked about it, but the premise of the conjuring is this family that can no longer afford to live in the city. Yes. And they want to give their daughters a sense of, of like the ideal American mm-hmm. family. So they find this old house, house. In the country, which actually does exist. It does exist. Yeah, that's a real place. Um, because they want to be able to afford this dream. Dream. Yeah. And I think, and that's even like an interesting thing in the conjuring, which I love. And it goes south. Oh God, so fast. Um, which the conjuring also prompted another question I have that I yell, but uh, the, the idea of, cause you see this in English horror a lot and Irish horror that even the idea that the country provides, mm-hmm. you know, the quote country, whatever that is in where you live, right. provides safety, escape, normal Norman Rockwell type shit. Whereas like, yeah, you were probably better off staying in the fucking city, man. Right. The country has, the country has its own ways. That's why it's country. (laughs) You don't belong. You don't belong and you don't belong in there. No. And I think that this, like this trope, like it so relates to like American literature, like other literature, like um, James Dickey's deliverance, right? Like this idea that because you're from the city, that you're going to enter into natural world because we're stronger than nature or whatever. Right. right. And you will be able to tame it. Right. And you will be able to control it. And that is so American. It's very, very <laughs> American. It's yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that trope also works in literature. That's not horror. Although I think deliverance is kind of absolutely horror. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, uh, it, it is Michael, isn't it? Totally. <laughs> it's complete fucking horror. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's the ultimate, like, you city boys coming in, blah, blah, you know, fucking A. Right. Um, so it, I will, I will, should I, I feel like I should kick off with Cindy because, you know. Because it's Cindy. It's Cindy. Um, so Cindy, Cindy was Ernst, our first fan. It's Cindy Ernst Godinez. Hello, Cindy. Um, hers, she just kept yelling in all caps, do not split up. <laughs> Like it's, it is true. Like did did she cite a specific movie? Just just or, in general. Yeah, I think there were a few people. Someone else was like, "When are they going to learn yes. to stick together?" Oh my God, and it's like they'll talk 
This happened in It because I know it drove you crazy in the second chapter of It. They'll talk for like 30 fucking minutes about how much stronger they are together. (laughs) And then split up. I did complain about that. I was like, wait a minute. Y'all just had a fucking conversation. And they were forced to split up. They were like, we'll go this way. We got to split up. We got to get that fucking clown. And it's funny, I was watching on July 4th, because I know you watched Jaws, and I watched, um, I know what you did last summer. Oh, man. And, and they do it. Like, yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar, who's like giving away the crown that she won at the whatever pageant or whatever the year before, they're like, no, you still got to go. And she's like, no, we need to stay together. And they're like, no, we'll split up. And you'll lure the killer in. <laughs> like, how is this a good store, a good strategy? I've yeah. never, I have never understood. Okay, so let's go down the logic rabbit hole for two seconds. Just two seconds, I promise. Why would you split up? Because now that we're talking about like tropes are tropes because of a thing, right? Right. So what is that deeper need in us as humans to be like, well, we know this one thing. But I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's, I mean, again, if you're looking at like sort of the, the theme, it's again, like we are stronger as a group. Right. Individualism might not always be the right answer. Holy huh. shit. Did we just hit upon something? Y'all, y'all, we didn't plan this. <laughs> no, this just happened. This just happened in the room. <laughs> Wear a fucking mask. <laughs> Wear a fucking mask. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to hurt you. If the worst thing that happens is that you overreacted and you were hot on one day, that's, that's, we're still good. Let's think of the, yeah, think of the group. Um, And it's, uh, I mean, and it's funny because like, just thinking about this, because splitting up, it's clearly such a thing. And I understand why you, why it's needed just logistically in a, in a horror movie. And I was thinking about when writing our movie, when is, is figuring out ways that to try to logically split this group of kids up. Oh, right. Luckily with kids, it's a little easier. Yeah. Because if you look at the trope of like, well, these two are going to go off and make out, make out, these two are fucked up on drugs and have no right. idea, you know, but it's, it is like part of it. It's like, you have to split them up so you can start killing them off. Yeah. So you can start killing them off. It's just movie making. Yeah. Come like, on. We're sitting here having like philosophical conversations. And in the end they're like, no man, it's just, we just need to start killing them off. Yeah. So speaking of a final dress, which oh my gosh, started so shooting excited. a year ago yesterday and Hey, yeah. we're moving forward. It's going great. We're moving forward. We're editing. Um, but young Parker Gray, one of the uh-huh. stars, he submitted this question, which I also think is is fantastic. Why won't you tell people what's going on? Oh my God, that is one that John and I are constantly, constantly complaining about this. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I mean, we'll be watching a movie where, like, I don't know, someone gets a note that says, "I'm going to fucking kill you," and then they don't show. <laughs> Put to their husband or their wife, and I turned I turned to John all the time and go, 
you tell me, right? Like, please tell me. I don't care if it means that there's a picture of you and someone else, like. They're having an affair, whatever. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Yeah. That is secondary to we are going to stay alive. Yeah. And then I'll deal with it, right? Do, Just, do, you, do you remember in the Pet Cemetery remake when he wakes uh, up and he has dirt all over his feet and he's confident that he was somehow traveling through the woods the night before? And his wife's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm fine. And he covers his feet. It's like, now I know you don't wash those sheets in that house. So she's going to find him at some point. Why don't you just tell her? Tell her. She might have something to add to the conversation. She may help you get out of the situation. You apparently married this woman for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, okay, so like in Fatal Attraction, which I know is not technically horror, it is horror. Yeah. And kind of horror. In Fatal Attraction. Thriller horror, sure. Yeah. She, like, she's you know, uh, stalking him and stalking him. And then he finally says, he gets her on the phone and he goes, uh, my wife wants to talk to you. Right. And, uh, Glenn Close goes, Oh, you don't have the balls or whatever. And then the wife gets on the phone and she goes, you come near my family again and I will kill you. And she hangs up. And then the movie ends in like two scenes because you can't go, you know, when two people, when they're like in the know, you can't, you can't stop us. Right. And it's, yeah. I, yeah, and it's, I mean, it is just a constant, constant thing. Like, now nah, I'm just, I'm going to keep this to myself. Right. Which, I'm going to go off on a tangent real quick. Go! So you you had told me about um, the, we the new Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. And so we had both, so good. I, I had watched the French episode, which I love, because I'm oddly obsessed with French stuff. I've seen all the episodes already. But then you were like, dude, you got to watch the, the UFO one. And Mm -hmm. so I watched it late last night and it's about this something, this event that happened in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. I think it's like September 1st, 1969. And it's so crazy because they go through and they interview all of these people and it's essentially two generations. It's the ones who would have been kids and their parents at the time. So their parents are very old. Um, and you find out, like, you have these women who are in their 80s, these these men and women who are in their 60s, who all had a similar experience and never fucking, other than, like, one or two dudes, never fucking told anyone. Never told anyone. And never told anyone. For 40, for 50 years. Yeah, and the one dude that did say was, like, considered, oh, he's crazy. Right. And and I was like, man, but if other people had jumped in, right, maybe they wouldn't have thought he was crazy. <laughs> what is it about that? I mean, that happens a lot. And it's yeah. part of what we call it is next door to the other genre, subgenre, which is the wasp horror. Yes. That you yes. and I talk about a lot. And it's like a lot of problems could be solved if y'all would just. If you were like, look, my mom was in a crazy fucking cult and here's the shit that's going to go down. Right. Just so you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like that would help a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Kevin is trying to kill his little sister. <laughs> and I think we should just take him to the doctor. Yeah. We yeah. need to talk about Kevin right <laughs> now. <laughs> Kevin. Fucking A. Um, cool. So let me see. I'm trying, there's so many people. Um, Amanda... Hen- is it Hendrickson, right? Yeah. Hen- the- yeah, my handwriting is terrible. She had a few. Classic, why are you running up the stairs? <laughs> right. Um, 
And then one that I know you will love. Why are you opening the beach when there's a giant shark eating people? (laughs) Why? (laughs) It just makes no sense to me. So this is, this is sort of funny though. Well, it's not funny. Ha ha. It's funny. We're all going to die. Cause you just right. watched Jaws last week. I just watched Jaws. And it's I mean, a favorite. You pointed out how sadly it's more timely even now than maybe it was in the seventies. In yeah, absolutely. And over like over the years, you know, and it's like, it's not an easy, it's not a difficult analogy. It can apply to many things. And we're always complaining about like, how the fuck did that mayor get a second term? Right. Like it's just unbelievable. Right? I don't understand in the sequel, he comes back and he's still the fucking mayor. You yeah. people get the heroes you deserve. Yeah. That's my monologue to the whole thing. And I still watch it, but it's like, as I was, yeah, it's, it's not a difficult kind of reach to make. Of course, Jaws is relevant right now we have a maniac in charge Mm -hmm. and there's a monster killing people Mm -hmm. and some people don't seem to fucking care. Even when the scientist shows up and tells them exactly why they should care. Right. Right. They're like science. Bah. Yeah. I was was like, wow, that is like, it's even more. I, I'll usually, when I watch it, I'll text you and I'll say like, wow, this reminds me of insert current event right here Mm -hmm. but like this time around i was like holy shit like it's a spot on yeah yeah i mean it's it's spot on it's and i I guess a testament to to, down to the bad suit yeah that don't fit right um i think it's a testament to to the sort of universality of that story and like, yeah, shark is metaphor or whatever, but also shark is literal fucking shark. Yeah. yeah. Which is it's also just, really cool. Which is also like really apt in this situation also, mm-hmm. because it's like the shark is doing what the shark does. Right. Right. The sh- I mean, the scientist says it is an eating machine. Mm-hmm. That's it just it eats and makes baby sharks. That's all it, all does. it does. So, the horror is that people won't listen right? to me anyway. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily the shark. It's that people are so fucking stupid. They right. won't listen to the fact that the shark doesn't give a shit that you're not a seal. Right. The, sh- the, the, shark- the, the shark's going to do what it's going to do. Right. And, and if you give the shark more to feed on, it's going to feed on more. It's going to feed on more. Yeah. It's right. It's perfect. And I was, I was like, God damn it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a great question. And even the, I mean, it's a similar analogy, but even like the running up the stairs, I saw someone had posted like, I apologize to every horror movie character I made fun of for running into <laughs> danger when they could have gotten away. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you just, man, people do stupid shit. They do. And I you think do. All- some, some people freeze. Like some people are, you know, or like, if I just stand really still, maybe they won't know I'm here. <laughs> oh, I'm here. And I think the like shark thing, the Jaws thing, and even the like running at the killer or whatever is like, just speaks to either the arrogance or self or selfishness or the, the idea that like, if it's, it might affect you, but I, I can, I can beat it. You know? I can beat it. Yeah. yeah. It won't get me. Um, and it's like, it's, it's gonna get you. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, man, this is a very, 
It's, it's a very deep episode. I mean, yeah, I all, of, all of this, we can, you know, we can bring it all the way around to yeah. like talking about why individualism in our country is actually a bad idea. Why it's killing other us. Countries, why it's killing us. But we're here to talk about horror movies. Horror movies. Well, so this is, this is a great segue. So, man, I, why can I not read? Uh, it's uh, Lauren Nicole Spradling. I'm sorry, Lauren, if I screwed up your name. I cannot read my own handwriting. Um, but uh, Lauren had, this is a great one. <laughs> and I think it's really an interesting question. And I think Scream addresses it. Have you ever seen a horror movie? Do true crime podcasts not exist in your world? <laughs> and I, I love that because I love it so much because it's Scream takes it head on. Right. It accepts fully these kids have been raised on this and they still make these fucking mistakes. Right. But there right. are some things that happen in horror movies that are literally like, have you as a character living in this version of America or wherever, have you never seen an actual fucking horror yeah. movie? Exactly. Have you never, do they not exist? This must right. be a world in which horror movies don't exist. Right. Is there not a podcast where someone's like, this is how the killer murdered people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it is... That's- that's interesting. It is. It is because you sort of end up creating these characters who have no knowledge of something that everyone has knowledge of. Um, right. It's like a, I don't know. So I'm going to go down like a weird tangent here, but you know, it's like an Ouroboros kind of like a thing that's like eating itself, itself where it's like, do we, do we know, do we do we know what happens in horror movies because we have horror movies or do we not know what happens in horror <laughs> movies because we live in a universe that doesn't have, I'm horror, sorry. Yeah. No, it's like, I had, a, I don't know why I had an acting teacher years ago. This was not even really about acting. He just was like, he was older. He was awesome. But he was like, I can't get behind Tom Cruise movies because Tom Cruise doesn't exist in Tom Cruise movies. So it's automatically an unrealistic world. And I was kind of like, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> My brain just <laughs> melted. Like wait, okay, wait, hold on. Repeat that one more time. He said he couldn't really, he could never buy into Tom Cruise movies because Tom Cruise doesn't exist in Tom Cruise movies. And it's like, so it's not the world. Like, it's not the world. Yeah, it's like that's kind of amazing. That's incredible. It's like, like other actors, you can write it off, but it's like you cannot write off a world in which Tom Cruise doesn't exist. Somehow, we're all affected by this. You know? <laughs> the ripple, that butterfly yeah. wing thing. Oh great. my god. Uh, so your sister had, I thought, something really interesting. Rosa, right? That's your sister. Uh-huh. Rosa, yeah. Um, she was, I think, ha- she was only half joking, but she asked a series of questions that only apply, you would think, only apply to Grimm's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, why, uh, why did you look back? Why did you eat the witch's candy house? All of these kinds of things that are from <laughs> Yeah. Why did you touch the spindle on the thing? And I was like, that's great also points out that even from this like genre's origins characters have been doing stupid shit it's true (laughs) so then since we know that fairy tales are really cautionary tales Uh right 
they are meant to, um, you know, warn us yes. about certain horrible certain things. things in the world. So h- horror movies are are, are are modern cautionary tales, do you think? I, th- I mean, I think, I think some are. I mean, I, I don't know that that would apply to everything, but I do think, I mean, I think even if he didn't want to, John Carpenter in some way perpetuated this idea that if you drink, if you smoke, if you fuck, if you're not a good student, if you're not Laurie Strode, you're welcoming danger. And I don't think that John Carpenter is some weird conservative. I think it's the movie he made. But it did sort of like spawn, at least in the slasher, a lot of the slasher movies in the 80s that kind of came out after Halloween, that very like moralistic thing, right? Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. It It sometimes bothers me when people... Like you ask people, hey, have you seen this movie or whatever, you and I, and people tell, oh, I don't watch horror movies, you know, and sometimes right. it's like, I can't, and sure. sometimes it's like, I don't watch horror movies. And, and there's sometimes an attitude of like writing horror movies off uh, as, I agree, as, yeah. as kind of like, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are horror movies. We do have uh, some more than others genres where it's like, no, this is what happens when you behave like this. Right. This is what happens when you go to a place where you have no business, business being going. And I mean, fucking I, around with the people there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, we talk about that sort of subgenre a lot. Like, I, those are, that's a very specific cautionary tale. Don't, right. think, don't think you know better than these people just because you're from the city or you went to college or, or whatever right. it is. Right. Um, don't think you're you're stronger than nature. Don't. Right. And from a very like religious horror aspect, while I don't believe in it um, in my own life, but I mean there there are a lot of messages in things like The Exorcist and The Conjuring and and that kind of like Catholic horror, if, if mm-hmm. we're a better term. Um, don't believe that you understand that you know the mind of God. Right. Um, you know that that's a huge thing uh don't understand don't believe that you're stronger than that you can't succumb to temptation or the devil or or whatever right those are like very religious things right Um, don't replace your wife's baby with a baby that just happened and then not tell her which is like a tie-in with the other question because i have turned to john and said if I had a baby, you would let me know where it was, right? Like, you would tell me, please don't keep me in the dark about it. If this. we were raising a child that a creepy Italian priest handed you, would you let me fucking know? Please. We can help each other out. Yeah. Um, God damn it. Stupid uh, people. Dante, yeah, Dante and I had a conversation earlier this morning about um, midsummer and it, how it it relates kind of to what you were talking about, you know, this, especially in religious horror, right? But we were talking about it like as a reverse, like reverse, not so much like, uh, like what we've been taught as morals, like Christian morals or whatever, but it's like, there's a certain morality to other groups 
that may not be the same as yours. Yes. And I mean, I think that's so clear in that. I mean, look, I don't think- And that happens like mostly in the folk horror. Folk horror. And I don't think Ari Aster- that's, uh, and I'm not, like, I love, we, I fucking love Midsummer. I mean, Ari Aster's pretty straightforward. The boy, the shitty boyfriend's name is Christian. Right. It's like, it's not, I don't think he's trying to throw you a curveball, you know? Yeah. Um, and they judge, uh, after that one incredibly gory, sort of horrific scene with the older people. Right. And the Americans freak out, and the Brits freak out, and the Swedes who are in this little group are like, this is sacred to us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. They made this choice. We think how you treat your elderly is, is actually horrifying. Right. You know, you put your out, you put your old people in a home and you don't visit them to us. That's way more horrifying than what you just witnessed. And I think, yeah, I think that movie's uh, does a great job of, undercutting like the arrogance of youth, the arrogance of Americans, the arrogance of Christianity. Yeah. Um, and again, <clears throat> nature is strong, is more powerful yeah. than you understand. Right. Um, and the arrogance of, of men, um, there's, there's just general shittiness, mm-hmm. arrogance of, of, I mean, no group of guys, like they look down on her the entire fucking. I mean, movie. they, they literally look down on her. We were talking about this. Like if you notice in that movie, Florence Pugh is much, much, much shorter. Oh yeah, than the men. Yes, in in, in the, than all four of them. Right, they I mean, power over her, and she's constantly, she's you know. And I was talking to Dante about how I feel. I feel that this movie, part of it, is like so forcefully pro-feminist, right? So, I agree. Yeah, it's like because the, the world that you've been trying to fit into is gray and sad and and they they make you small they right. make you small this is the world where you belong girl yeah, <laughs> with like exactly. other women and it's it's beautiful and they people have there's community and they support each other and yeah and they feel they empathize in a literal way um mm-hmm. i mean you know when you when you cry i cry right uh, to to show that i that we are one yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, obviously, I mean, I think Pew, I think Florence Pew is fucking brilliant. Phenomenal. I love her. But I think Astor then, <clears throat> I don't want to speak for him, but you have someone like Florence Pugh who is on a five, two or three, maybe. Yeah. She seems like a pretty little, she's little pretty short person. And then, so you go find these four guys who are, you know, like six foot six one feet, or yeah. something. And, and, and so every shot she's in with those boys, she's dwarfed. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Uh, Midsummer tangent. Having watched it the second time. So good. I, I started to think, and I don't, I didn't think about this the first time. This idea that if she has, she, this is where she truly belongs, that the horror she undergoes in the beginning is required and purposeful. It's kind of what I was, <clears throat> I kind of, was just thinking about that this morning, but in a slightly different way, because we were talking about how Christian is a shitty boyfriend. Yes. He's like a shitty, shitty, shitty just boyfriend. Just break up, man. <laughs> just break up. Don't fucking lie to her. Yeah. Just be a fucking man. Get some balls. Yeah. Choose another thesis. You fucking plagiarist. Get your own fucking life. Um, and then Dante brought up, yeah, but does that, like, does that, he deserve getting put 
in the bear. And I'm like, yeah, he totally does. In, in this, yeah. in, in this and, world, yes. Yes, in this world, yes. <clears throat> and it's, and the, I think the thing that I pointed out was like, well, then she had to go through that. Yes. She had to go through that. And so by the time she sees him, she watches, sorry, spoilers, watches him burn, right? Mm-hmm. And that smile happens on her face that maybe the smile is not so much he's dying or whatever, but the smile is kind of like, ah, I have ascended. Like, yeah, I, I have done all the things. I think this, so. This is why I needed to go through all of this to get to this moment. And I think so. And I think her, the Swedish friend who brings her there, mm-hmm. can't remember his name right now. Me neither. But he immediately says, I'm so, I'm most excited that you're coming. Yeah. He fucking knows. He knows. He, I mean, he knew what he was taking those other boys there for. Oh, absolutely. Too. But when he says, I'm most excited for you, yeah, he, he knows like, what's going to happen. He knows she is in deep down or in, she is this thing and it just has yeah. to be let out and all this other shit has to happen. That's Midsommar, y'all. Go, f- I mean, fucking see it. I can't so say enough I about it. I tell you enough that you need to see this movie. It's in, apart from all the shit that we just touched upon, yeah. it's beautiful One to watch. One of the most visually stunning movies you'll ever see. Stunning. Stunning. Um, so Cindy Mayfield, I gotta get this as another like, seriously, like why don't you turn on the fucking lights? <laughs> That's true. Remember? So what was the one that we were watching that was French? Oh, Marianne. Is it Marianne? Uh-huh. When they go to the... Wait, it's not Marianne. It's another one. It's the one they go to, like, the friend's house in the country. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not Marianne. Yeah, yeah. But it's an it's another French one. Yeah. And she she hears the fucking noise she sees like the figure mm-hmm. and she still walks through the house yeah what are you doing just if, turn on the lights the fucking lights <laughs> like, I yeah this is related to that instinct this is related to that if i don't move they won't yeah. they won't see me they won't see me and i'm like you're unless you're some sort of you know, samurai who's trained in darkness. I, you're, you're, you need to turn on the fucking lights, man. I am. A, I'm going to put that under special skills. Next special time. skills. I'm a samurai I'm a trained, samurai in dark- trained in darkness. What is that movie called? Uh, oh, I can't remember. With an R. I, well, we'll I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, that, I like that movie. Yeah, um, I like that too. I like that one too. Um, so that um, was Denise classic. Uh, I think along those lines, Don Denham. What's up, Don? He said, "Why?" Why do you always investigate the strange noise? <laughs> you don't got to do that shit. No, man. <laughs> you don't got. You don't got to do that shit. And I was watching. It's funny because I watched you know both both Insidious movies and um Conjuring and The Conjuring, which are all ty- all Ty West. Yeah. Um, right. That's all Ty West, right? Yeah. No, James Wan. Sorry. No, That's James Wan is Conjuring. Yeah. Sorry. That's all James Wan. All three of those. And in um, and so it's always Patrick Wilson. He's in mm-hmm. both. He's in Insidious and he's in The Conjuring because I guess he and James Wan are friends. And he's always like, he's gonna grab a baseball bat and right. go. I'm like, dude, what are you? <laughs> well, in The Conjuring, when she goes to the basement, you know everybody's gone. When you, that. Yeah, Billy Taylor. Why are you going to the basement? Why are you going to the basement? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Also. Don't go to the basement if you didn't tell your wife 
that some bitch was sending you a note telling you she was going to kill you. Kill you, yes. So along, along, my other one, along the lines of The Conjuring. Again, movie that I love. And this can apply to almost any demon possession movie. Mm -hmm. Why, after they tell you the demon is attached to you or your family, not to the house, right? That's in every fucking possession movie, basically. Right. Yeah. Why do you think going to a hotel or a friend's is going to change it? <laughs> it always happens at a fucking hotel. Yes. It's like, why are you going to the hotel? She literally just told you. <laughs> it she, will follow it, you. It will follow you. You could literally go outside and go into the car. It will be it in the will, car with will you. Be in the car with you. The car's not safer. Don't leave the baby in the car. <laughs> they leave the two little kids in the car. Oh God, what are you doing? Right. Just like, you know, poor Gage in Pet Cemetery in the, yes. in the new one. What's oh. he doing in the car? The, the car will protect you. The car will protect you from your zombie family. So I think those are those are the, the ones, a, a, a lot of, uh, Ryan Matthew Smith, this is a really funny one. Did Jesse really have the body and Freddie really have the brains in Nightmare on <laughs> 2? It's a great, it's a great question. I don't know if it can be answered. I don't know. Um, that, that one's for the ages. But those were some some of, of the the ones that people submitted. So they were great. I, I thank you guys. That was thank you guys. Great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun because then it was, I was forced to kind of like every time I heard a question, it was kind of like, I know what they're talking about. Yeah. I know and, what this what this movie is. And I think it goes because I, I was thinking about it a lot the last few days. And again, having watched basically the same subgenre of movies for over, you know, over a week. So you start to see how much as a genre it horror r- relies on itself. Yeah. That, 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 and I don't think to me, I don't think it's like I'm stealing from this or I'm lazy. I don't think that's lazy filmmaking. I think you have a genre that pays homage to itself. And we've talked about it a little before in a way that I don't know that any other genre does yeah i mean i think that's like twofold right it's like we do like directors we did it you and i did it and every every director does it like you and if you're a horror fan you do it as an homage but you also do it for the fans for the fans yeah it's like so that they'll be able to go like i know what that reference is i Uh know what that reference is and where in another genre that might be like oh because sometimes we'll watch a De Palma and I'm like, straight up, Brian De Palma, did you just lift it from Alfred Hitchcock? Yeah, I like, mean, shot for shot. <laughs> shot for shot. Yeah. Um, but it, it's different in, in horror. It is. Know? And I also think part of it is, it is that, that, that pay, you know, for the fans paying homage. Also, like, this is a weird thing to say, and I don't, haven't really thought it out, so it might sound stupid. There, I think there are a limited number of ways in which you can actually frighten people. I agree. And and at some point, you look at something like the changeling, or you look at the conjuring, or you look at the scenes that you think really work well, and it's like, why does that work? It works because of you know the surprise and blah 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 and the tension. It's like this is really. I can dress up my villain or my ghost differently. I can 
I'm not, I'm excluding like gore and body horror, which right, is right. thing. It's own but, thing. But in a haunted or even in a killer situation, uh, slashers, like th- I think there are there are only a certain number of ways that you can really get people. Mm-hmm. Um, other than people who like are scared at fucking everything in a horror movie, and and I right. that's a different thing. And you know, so this this points back to an idea. Before I forget. That's one of my questions. Why are you standing in front of that window? Like that, that's one of my questions. But this gets to a thing that we're talking about, we talked about before, which is we can only be aware of the stuff that we're aware of, right? right. It's like we can't, you, you can't introduce something. You can only visualize what you can visualize because you have a reference for it. Right. Right? So it's like when somebody goes like, imagine a roller coaster. You go, well, I can only, there's only a limited way to imagine a roller coaster because I know what a roller coaster looks like. And what it feels like. Yeah. And what it feels like. That makes sense. So it's like, we, that's what we have. Like, that's what we have to, those are the things that we have to be, that are things to be afraid of for us. That we, that we know, like there, like we don't know what we don't have to be afraid of. Right. Am I making any sense? Yes. No, I think so. And I think, so there are, the, I think there are these sort of inherent fears that most of us have maybe from the beginning of fucking time that mm-hmm. get played on the fear of the dark, the fear of the unknown, all of those things. And yeah, I mean, we do have, it's funny, like if you, you know, if you go back in and look at old sci-fi from the fifties, they're like sort of setting up our visual references for what aliens can look like. Right. So then by the time you get to someone like Geiger and then, you know, mm-hmm. Ridley Scott and uh, James Cameron making alien and aliens. One, those guys are crazy, weird genius Geiger. I don't fucking know what's going on in that guy's mind, but Dude, somehow, but somehow the xenomorph still owes something to the insect aliens from from atomic age horror right so i think we can build on these things over time and obviously with effects and design you can make things quote scarier for your modern audience but it's still the xenomorph as fucking horrifying as it is it still references things we understand like little green men or insect monsters yeah, or something. Yeah, little green men or insect monsters. So can you think of a movie? I'm going to throw I'm going to throw you a curve now. Sure. Can you think of a movie where we learned to be afraid of something? Like something that's like, oh, I didn't know that I had to be afraid of that. That's, and in that way, it's like, oh, fuck. That's a great question. I mean, I, I think, man, I think about like maybe some of the stuff Hitchcock did in Psycho and and I'm not saying I don't know if he was first but it's like the idea of like the friendly guy who wants to help you is actually the one who wants to murder you right I don't know if Hitch I don't I don't know enough to know if he's the first one but that to me is like would have been an early yeah oh don't trust the guy who's gonna help you with your car yeah Um, loves his mother I will say there are certain directors and I always go back to Lynch who will do something so bizarre. Yes. That will terrify me. And it's unrelated. It's for no reason. Like there's that one scene. No, you're right. Yeah. There's that scene. It's fire walk with me where 
Laura is walking out of the diner carrying the food for like the Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels, yeah. And the little boy comes jumping out of the, just comes jumping out of the, the hedge. And it's a little boy in a little boy uniform with just a little white plaster mask with a pointy nose and nothing else. Yeah. And the old woman offers her the painting, like the photograph. Yeah. And the boy hops away. And I'm, that's one of those moments for me where I'm like, Oh, I didn't know I had to be afraid of that. Yes. And I, <laughs> yeah. And I think he, I, I'm not saying, I don't want to say he's the only one, but I think he is one of very few people because I, I he's the, kind of the master of it. He is the master. And I think the way, and I think he would, if you asked him, I don't even know if he would answer it, but I think because he comes from so heavily, like he still calls himself a painter. And so mm-hmm. I think he, Lynch works visually in a way that most human beings can't um, right. and most directors, even really talented directors can't. And right. so he is able like, there's a moment in lost highway that is terrifying. And I couldn't even tell you why. And I could never replicate it in something. Um, it's, it's when he's just on the call and he's like, I'm in your house. And it's like, it cuts to that one shot of him in the house. And I'm like, it's terrifying. And I, I don't even know why. And right. I, I couldn't tell you how to set that shot up in a million years. Like I right. have a right to get there. Right. Um, I mean, there's like, there's that one, is it, is it lost? High? It is. Yeah, it is lost highway where he keeps finding the packet. He puts in the <laughs> videotape. Yes. And then it's just like a videotape of his bedroom. Uh-huh. And it's like, he- I never, like, that never fucking occurred to me. Now I'm terrified. Now I'm terrified. Yeah. Like, the other one, I I could go down this hole forever, but, like, the other one is um, um, the the char, like, the men, the the men from the forest that are covered in, like, char. In Twin Peaks The Return. In Twin Peaks The Return. And that was one of those things where I was like, oh, I didn't know I had to be afraid of that. Yeah. And and then, yeah. And I I think that, that that is, I think it's rare because I think, obviously, he just he just sees things in his head that mo- most people don't. But, I mean, yeah. I, I, I watched a thing with Lynch cause I, I mean, fucking love him. It's my favorite director. And they were asking, he was, he was going to tell you how to get ideas, right? It was a masterclass. And like Lynch's stuff in his masterclass is great. Like really practical shit. Be nice to your crew, treat your yeah. cast really well, buy them breakfast. If you can like really like start on time, don't pressure yourself, but don't get behind really basic, right. great filmmaking advice. And then he gets to, how do you get ideas? And he literally says, you just have to go fishing in the universe. And I was like, cool, man. Cool, thanks. <laughs> thanks, buddy. I'm going to, I want to get on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That famous direction that he gave to, who was it? Was Who played Elvis in, in that? He gave a direction to someone and said, I need you to be like El. No, I need you to be like Elvis and the Wind. <laughs> I think it was Kyle McLaughlin. Sure, it was Kyle. In, so- in something, in something, and he's <laughs> like, "I need you to be Elvis and the Wind." Yeah, that it was like okay, oh, cool, cool. Let me go process that. I got it. I got it. College finally paying off. Um, so yeah, I do, and I, I think there are sometimes, even if it's not something brand new, someone does crack something. And then a million people will copy it mm. or, or, you know, but it will introduce this like new thing into the genre. 
And while I'm not a huge fan of the Saw movies, I know Issa is. Yeah. James Wan, I think, did, did, I think that was like, and he was inspired by things, but I mean, I think that was a new, for us at least, it was a new type of horror. Yeah. Or at least that hadn't been around for a long time and he did it differently. And then, so now you see all of these things that come out of it, this idea of like, terror as a game uh, right. your own your own failings are the thing that will kill like so right. i think there are directors who are still you know trying new things moving i don't want to make it yeah. sound like you can't make something interesting but i do oh. think the fucking ball of the dead kid rolling down the stairs is fucking scary that yeah. is fucking scary yeah but it's you've seen it before yeah. you've seen it and then in The Conjuring, when the ball comes out of the dark in yeah. the basement. And that is, to me, like, there are moments in The Conjuring that are straight up references to the changeling. Yeah. And they work in both, and they work mm-hmm. fucking brilliantly. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think, yeah, this is why we see these sort of recurring things. And then, like, you know, you and I talk about a lot. I think a huge part of horror is desperation. We, I always say it. Desperation leads to bad decisions. And right. I think that's why people run into the house when they shouldn't. Um, they people, go into the attic when they could they go into the go. Attic when they should be getting right. fucked out. Um, they buy houses that they shouldn't buy. They don't call the cops. They don't call the cops. Yeah, all these things. So I think that comes out of it. And and that's look, if they made good decisions, you wouldn't have a fucking movie. I mean, you right. know, that that is at the end of the day. It's like the old joke. Who I can't remember who made it, but it was like as soon as you heard the ghost or the demon in Amity how Amity Villara say, get out, you would just get the fuck out. And it's like, right. Yes. But you know, exactly. then, and you'd have to roll credits after a minute and that would be weird. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, this is, I, this is great. I love, I'm was, and I was really happy that some people that had such, yeah, they just had really great ones. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. This is good. What will we talk about next time? I mean, what are you watching? Are you watching anything? I'm I'm rewatching Marianne or Marianne. Um, but like I said, I've been watching a ton of of the haunted house movies. I I, um, I want to watch the Italian show you're watching. Curon. Yeah. Yeah, it's real. Like I'll tell you, man, it's real Twin Peaky. Cool. I mean, it's got. It's like a. You know, it it succeeds in having like a few things happening at the same time. Same time. That you're kind of like, I know that on some at some point it's going to converge, but I don't know when, yeah. and cool. it doesn't matter because they're both interesting. Yeah, um, but I. I yeah. mean, I, we'll figure it out. But I, I am glad that we're. I know we've said this before, but I am glad that we're back. And yeah. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, go go watch if if you've seen anything. The weird thing is there's just like no new movies. <laughs> well, okay, so I've seen two I've seen two um Spanish movies that okay. I really, 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 really like that I need people to go see. One of them is called Shrew's Nest. Shrew's Nest? It's on Netflix. Okay. Shrew's Nest. It is so good. Okay. So good. Isa and I saw it recently. And then the other one is also a Spanish movie. Um, called uh, the occupant, and in Spanish it's called in Spanish it's called el hogar, which okay. means the home. But it's like a weird kind of play on words because okay. it's it's it sounds like the word to drown also. Oh, um, cool! 
So, but in English, it's called the occupant. Which, yeah, which is yeah. great, but not does not sound like drown. And right, it doesn't cool say yeah. Words. Uh, um. So yeah, you, you those okay, well, two movies, Shrewdness and out. The Occupant. Cool. I will check out one or both, and I will reiterate as I said earlier: if you haven't seen The Changeling, you sh- you should go check it out. Yeah, man, it's um, a classic. And it's it's hey, it moves. It moves slower because, but it is effective. It's just because very. Because it's fucking George C. Scott. Yeah, and it's just very 70s in its pace, which I love. Yeah. Also, millionaire composer, his girlfriend rides horses. I don't fucking know. I mean. Yeah, but it does have one of the greatest, that's one of those scenes, the medium. The, the scene with the medium. It's it's the most horrifying medium scene. I think it's the, I think it's hands down the best of, yeah. of bringing in the medium to, to communicate with the dead. Yeah. I, and and again, I've already talked to you. Like, if we ever make our ghost movie, we will reference the shit out of that yes, scene. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, all right, y'all, stay safe. Try not to stare into the void as too much, or do what right. you need to do. I don't know. Y'all, wash your hands and wear a mask. Fuck yes. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. All right. All right. I'll see you, Christine. See you, Michael. See you. Guys.